Morning, everyone. You are very quiet in here this morning. Really quiet in here this morning. Um, just have a quick conversation somewhere. As long as you don't move, it's like it's all right. You can talk to other people. Just say hello to someone just for a moment. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to. Um, apologies also to you guys online. You lost sound for about 40 seconds. Um, uh, we, we did nothing, and then the, the desk just stopped. So uh, anyway, apologies if you lost sound for a little while. Hopefully you've got sound back and can hear me apologizing for the fact that we didn't have any sound. Um, that's, that's the hope. Anyway, so here we are. Life coach Larry, last time ever. Um, he's managed to keep a bit of shape, I think, during lockdown. He's done pretty well. Larry has. Uh, but what we're doing today is, is this, the, the wrap-up. And it's the last one, number 18. We started this actually back in something like October, I think, was when we actually started this. We stopped for Christmas and some other things. And really, the whole principle of uh, the life coaching series is really taken from uh, John, the book of John, chapter 10, verse 10, where Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you'd have life and have it to the full and have it more abundantly. So what we have is a series of, I know they're hard to read, that's because they were all in white and they've gradually gone into grey, but a series of subjects that we've effectively talked about as being potential building blocks to help to be able to live life to the full. So volunteering and discovering your destiny, calling, creating space, Prayer, worship, Bible, journaling, etc., etc. Now, I must just um, stress, this list is not complete. It's not complete. There are some others. We could have done one on habits. We could have done one on sacrifice. We could have done one on handling disappointment. Very crucial. Very often, the amount of breakthrough we will ever see in our lives is directly linked to our ability to overcome disappointment. So you could put all these in your life, but there is, there is a missing ingredient that we've got here that is not equally weighted with all the others. And the change that this one thing makes, the final week, the big one, the change that this one thing makes is difficult to put into the context of all the others. This one other change that you can make overshadows everything that you can see on the screen and yet actually empowers them. It dwarfs them and yet underpins them. It is the single change that creates the greatest change. The decision that opens the door to life in its fullness. This is how significant it is. It's like if each of these on the screen that you can see are pilot lights. I don't know whether any of you have seen the volcano that's um, currently erupting in Reykjavik or you've seen pictures of Etna. If you've missed either, you really need some awe and wonder in your life and watch 30 seconds of watching the volcano erupt. Absolutely incredible. But if each of these are pilot lights, this one final ingredient that pulls all these things together is like the raging inferno that is the volcano that's currently erupting. 
It's like a wild fire. So we're going to read a quick bit now. Normally, if ever I'm going to read a bit from the Bible, I must admit I quite like to get a Bible out. Uh, But there are so many bits in the Bible today that I would spend most of my time flicking through the pages trying to remember which bookmark was which. So we're going to start and I'm going to read them um, from the screen. So this again is from the book of John. So this is John writing about Jesus' life. And in chapter 3 it says this. Now there was a Pharisee, um, a very religious church leader, a man named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. We salute or they did in those days, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God. How do we know? For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. He's not saying he is the Messiah. He's just simply saying, we know you must be from God because of the incredible things you're doing. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. It's one of Jesus' greatest habit is that someone comes and says one thing and Jesus answers something totally different. It's like, I know the question you're asking me, but I'm about to give you the answer you actually need. So you're asking me for information. I'm trying to give you life. And this is how this works. So no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, or verily, verily, or mark my words, or listen up. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit, capital S, gives birth to Spirit. You shouldn't be surprised at me saying, you must be born again. The wind, the Holy Spirit, blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone that is born of the Spirit. So we'll talk a bit about this a bit more in a minute. Get rid of, I think that's dog fluff on me. Um, This next one. Now this is Paul writing, and he's writing to the church in Galatia. And he says this, my old identity has been co-crucified with Christ and no longer lives. And now the essence of this new life isn't actually even mine anymore. It's no longer mine. For the anointed one, Jesus, he lives his life through me. We live in union as one, like this, as one. My new life is empowered, this is where strength comes from, by the faith of the Son of God, not even faith in the Son of God, it's Jesus' faith, who loves me so much that he gave himself for me, dispensing his life into mine. Now you at home, have a look at that, not right now, but like when you get home, Galatians 2.20, just take a look at that verse. Honestly, you could, you could feast on it for at least a week. Lastly, for this section we have this. Jesus, this is now in the book of Mark, so still detailing the life of Jesus. Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good 
news. This is good news. So what we're talking about here, the Bible, there are so many verses, and we're going to cover a number more in just a minute, but there are so many parts of the Bible where Jesus says, you have to be, and it's a cliched Christian expression now, often used slightly mockingly, you have to be born again. Oh, well, you were born again, Christian. There's no other type. You're born again or you're not. And I mean, we try not to use the word Christian because it, it means so many things. Generally, it means a code of behavior in society. Well, that wasn't very Christian. But what Jesus did, he came and said, listen, repent and believe the good news. Repent means to turn. It means to so change your mind over something you were thinking that to treat the previous thing virtually with disdain. You so turn. So it basically means you're walking in one direction, you turn and walk in the other and believe the good news. Now, whenever the Bible says believe, it doesn't mean believe like, well, I believe that two plus two equals four. It means believe, cleave to, trust, rely on, have faith in. That's what the Bible means by believe. So you turn, you change your mind, you see your life so differently. And Jesus says, we are born again. We die and are born again spiritually. That's what happens in baptism. We die. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But now the life I live, I live in the body by, the faith, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's being born again. So some people, they say, well, I don't really know whether I'm born again. How would I know? It's like, well, have you asked him? This is one of the main ways that, that you will have. For most people, they have a moment. Not everyone. For some people, it is a bit more of a gradual thing. But even with the gradual thing, generally, there's still a moment. You can't really gradually go into marriage so easily. So generally, there is a moment, and if there isn't, and it's been gradual, there still will have probably been some marker for you. So Jesus said, repent, believe, turn, come follow me. Turn away from what you were. So the Bible talks about us being dead to our old selves and alive in him. We're, obviously, we don't literally die. I mean, it's not like we, when we're baptised or something, or when we say yes to Jesus, we literally, we conk out, heart stops, all that. It's a spiritual death. And there's a spiritual resurrection that comes because of our relationship with him. So we repent, we turn, we say yes to Jesus, are born again, and in so doing, we are made new. I am a new creation so we have a number of, I'm just going to read you some bits out from the Bible here. They don't come up on the screen. I'm just going to tell you. So one of the things that happens is when you say yes to Jesus, you end up as a citizen of heaven. So right now, you know, like ambassadors, if you visit another country, you are still, if you're the uh, British ambassador to the Philippines, nice gig. If you are, then basically you are still part of the British Empire and you, you are a Brit, however, you have been placed in another territory. As soon as we say yes to Jesus, we become citizens of heaven. 
spiritually, right now, I am seated with Jesus in the heavenly realms. As much as physically, you can see me right now here in this room. I know, right? And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Oh, that means when we die. No, because that would say, and God will raise us up with Christ and will seat us with him in the heavenly realms. It's happened. It's amazing. In Jesus and through faith in Jesus, we can approach the throne of God in freedom and confidence. Like right now. A bit like when um, a teenage or late teenage, early 20s, or a, from then on, child comes home, visits the parents and goes straight to the fridge. What you got in? That thing. We can approach God like that. He says, this is where you live. You're a citizen here. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The old has gone. The new is here. And this one. So this is Ephesians, Ephesians, Corinthians, Philippians, loads of places. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Realm, sphere of influence. He has rescued us from the realm of darkness and brought us into the realm of the son he loves. It's like if you were born with sunglasses on, go with, all right? Just just keep going with me for a minute. It's like you're born with sunglasses on and you, you would have no idea that you're actually looking through sunglasses because every time you've looked, you always see through sunglasses. So you don't even know the world is tinted, the world is darkened. You say yes to Jesus, the sunglasses come off and there is a brightness Oh, this is how I meant to see the world. I didn't realise. So, Holy Spirit, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. So basically, God... um, when we say yes to him, when we are born again, we are redeemed. We are, we are kind of bought back, if you like. And one of the marks of that, which is why we're talking about the Holy Spirit, is that the Holy Spirit comes and makes his home in us. So God the Father, seated in heaven. Jesus, the Son, also God, seated at the right hand of God, in heaven, right now. Holy Spirit, also God everywhere, including, if you said yes to Jesus, living on the inside of you. When you believed, it says in Ephesians, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts of the Holy Spirit, all kinds of gifts, like Prophecy gifts, being able to hear what God is saying and be able to pass it on to people. Words of knowledge gifts, being able to know things about different situations. Gifts of wisdom, gifts of faith, gifts of administration. That's for you, Liz. Gifts of administration. (laughs) Fruits of the Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, we are supposed to be producing fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words... If I'm going to spend a lot of my time over here, I'm going, to, I'm going to produce the fruit from over here. But I turned away from this and I now live my life here. So therefore, I should be producing fruit in keeping with being here, right? 
And that's what, that's what Jesus says, one of the things he says. So the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, says Paul. These are the fruits. He wasn't trying to come up with an exhaustive list. He's saying, I see these kinds of things. I mean, it's, 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 it's love, it's joy. It's like when the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, this is the stuff. This is the stuff of the Holy Spirit. This is the fruit. If an apple tree is at work, it kind of produces apples. And when the Holy Spirit is at work, it produces the very nature of God himself in us. So the Holy Spirit is the comforter. He is the power. He is the convictor, the one that goes like that in your ribs and says, (coughs) and you go, oh, sorry. No, I shouldn't have said it like that. I'm really sorry I was rude to you. Or I had that wrong thought about that person. Wow, that was so judgmental. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the nudge in the ribs. He gives us peace. He leads us into the truth. The Holy Spirit comes and makes his home in us when we say yes to Jesus. So I asked four people if they would do a little one-minute video. And I asked them this question. I would love you to do a one-minute video, but what I want to know is this. What difference does having Jesus in your life make? That's it. Landscape, no more than a minute. That was the entire length of the instructions. This is really special. Four people, here we go. So I said my yes to Jesus when I was about 16. I grew up in church and had some experiences with him when I was quite young, but... Like a lot of people, I went to secondary school, um, still discovering who I was and, and peer pressure and all of those things and was not living for him entirely in, in those years. And when I got to about 16, he quite clearly said to me, make a choice. And I, that meant breaking up with my boyfriend at the time and just got rebaptized. Didn't have to, but that's what I chose to do. And uh, just trying to live for him and since then that's what I've tried to do um it hasn't always been easy but I find that for me there is no way back I cannot live my life without him through the ups and the downs and the good things and the bad things he is that constant that has kept me and that in every season I can just there's something to be thankful for something to be grateful for, and that's him by the time I was 19 I'd made a mess of things and I knew it When I walked into a church in 1993, I heard that I could have a relationship with the living God by saying yes to Jesus, and I was in. After that church service, my life started to change. Relationships with those I'd hurt were healed. I became employable. The words in the Bible came to life and started to nourish me. I felt loved by a community of people. I started to serve in the church and became a pastor, and it was exciting. After a while, life happened and it wasn't pretty. In fact, it was extremely painful. And at that point, I had to make a decision. Am I going to ditch God and go it alone? Or am I going to rely on God to get me through this? I've tried both. And I found that without him, bitterness and hardness start to creep in. With him, the love of Jesus and the church community kept me hopeful and soft-hearted towards people and God. God has been patient with me. After 28 years of following Jesus, he's still teaching me how to live, how to love, and I wouldn't want it any other way.
So I said yes to Jesus for the first time when I was really little, I was about two, and I said yes to him then because I wanted to know him, I wanted to have him um, at the centre of my life, and I continue to say yes to him because I know that he loves me, I know that he knows me inside out and wants the very best for me, so I trust him in that and that... Um, and that's why I continue to say yes to Jesus um, on a regular basis. Sometimes those yeses can be fairly wrestled out. Um, but my heart is always that I want to keep saying yes to him. And the difference that it makes in my life is that I have a, I guess I have like an overwhelming sense of peace that he is with me and that he is for me. Um and that the things that he might be asking me into um, are, are good things, even if they might feel a bit scary. Hello, everyone. A friend, of, a friend persuaded me to go on an Alpha course. This was about 26 years ago. And I went rather reluctantly. During this time, I asked Jesus into my life. And what happened was, he gave me such a peace in my heart that overwhelmed me, and still does. Then he gave a joy that bubbles up and overflows in the most unexpected places. I'm still on this journey, this adventure, and it's too exciting to stop. Isn't that wonderful? I love it. Leslie, uh, the lady at the end, she sent it through and said, I've done my best. I hope this is okay. Like, oh, I've watched it five times. Oh, it's just lovely. Absolutely lovely. So what do I have to do to say yes to Jesus? Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. Maybe you have, and we're coming on to you if you have. But if you've never said yes to him, then saying yes to him is the start of a relationship that is ongoing, as Kat alludes to in there. Yes is the start of a moment, but much like a, a marriage, you say yes when the proposal happens, you say yes at the wedding, but um, anyone who is married will know you have to keep saying yes every day. And I don't mean yes, dear. I don't mean that kind of yes. It's a deliberate decision to continue to walk towards each other. <coughs> each other. So here it is. This is from the book of Romans, um, which were, it was written to the, um, a group of people, Christians, in Rome. Paul says this, For if you publicly declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will experience salvation. So salvation is, um, yes, the relationship with God. And then so much more, the fullness. The heart that believes in him receives the gift of the righteousness of God, right standing with God. And then the mouth confesses, resulting in salvation. So basically, this bit means there's a wanting, a searching, a desiring. You believe in your heart enough to pray and then you confess. It comes out of your mouth. And actually, in so many ways, that is how... 
we continue to walk with God is you believe in your heart, speak with your mouth. The mouth is so, uh, the mouth and the words are so important. So many of you will have seen this picture. It's pretty well known. It's the lesser well known of the two main versions. I'm no artist, but that's cheesy, right? But bear with, get past the cheese. We know that Jesus is knocking at a door. We know there's no handle on the outside. If you've never come across this before, this is Jesus knocking at the door. There is no handle on the outside. And it's from the very last book in the Bible. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. And it says, Behold, this is Jesus speaking, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. So if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never said your yes at all to him, then there is a knocking for you right now that God is doing. Even if you say, well, I don't even know if he knows me. He absolutely knows you. He has been knocking since the day you were, bo- day you were born, saying, I'd love to come into your life. And let's do life together. That's really what the food means. Eat with them and they with me. We're going to do life together. Now, the interesting thing about this verse is it so often gets used to speak to people who've never made any decision for Jesus. They've never said yes to Jesus in any way. And that is generally how this verse is used when people speak about it. But the very interesting thing is with this picture, this image of trying to portray this verse, behold, I stand at the door and knock. When Jesus was speaking, he was actually speaking in a vision to John on the island of Patmos, whole of Revelation. Haven't got time to go into that. But the interesting thing is, Jesus was actually speaking to a bunch of lukewarm Christians at the time. He wasn't speaking to people who've never said yes to him. It was people, he was speaking actually to the church at Laodicea and it was a church where he was essentially saying, come back, come back. I'm standing at the door knocking. Your activity, this is in brackets, your activity, your indifference has ushered me out of the door. I don't know if you've even heard the knocking did you realize I wasn't even in there anymore with you? I'm, 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 I'm trying to get back in. If you could just put your opinions down long enough, if you could just put your self-sufficiency down long enough, I'm, I'm right here. I'm trying to get back in. So we let him in. We can live life to the full. Life will become easy, a roller coaster of fun. Whoa, 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 enough of the easy word. We never said easy. But so much more full filling, living life to the full. If we are going to know a fullness of life, I don't actually believe knowing a fullness of life is possible outside of having given a yes to Jesus. I don't actually think it is possible. So we're just going to, um, I'm going to just give an invitation in the room now and at home. We would love to invite, first of all, the people 
If you have never, ever said yes to him before and you can feel it right now, you know there's like a, wow, where did this come from? There's just a a longing to say yes to him, to invite him in to your life. I can honestly say it is the best decision I have ever made over anything. Even more than when I decided to start supporting Liverpool. It's even higher than that. It is, it has given my life a purpose and a meaning and I know I'm loved and I know I'm accepted. So I encourage you, in the room or at home, if you've never said yes to Jesus before, then I encourage you just to stand up right now. Wherever you are, if you've never said yes to him before, now is the time, just stand up. If you're on your settee or something, just stand up. And in the room, maybe over lockdown, you've just kind of drifted into your own world. Maybe you've struggled a bit. Maybe somehow Jesus has just got a little bit ushered towards the front door. And you say, no, 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 I want him front and center. I want him in the heart of my house. And if that's you, and you would like today to effectively re-say yes to Jesus, because we have to say it lots of times then you can join me. I'm standing because I want to say yes to him again today. I want to keep saying yes to him. Then please, just stand where you are. Just stand where you are right now. If you're at home, just stand where you are right now and say, yeah, I'm giving myself a fresh God. I'm saying yes again. In fact, may I never say no to you and encourage you, wherever you're stood, just put your hands out or hands on your heart or... I don't know, wherever feels comfortable for you. And we're just going to pray. Father God, whether this is for the first time or the hundred and first time or the thousand and first time, we hear you knocking. We hear you, God. We invite you in. It's a deliberate decision. Just wherever you are, whether you're at home or whether you're in the room, You can just start to speak out, just quietly, it's absolutely fine, just I'm saying yes to you. You can just speak that out, I'm saying yes to you. Yes, Jesus. I'm saying yes to you. I'm saying yes to you again. Or I'm saying yes to you for the first time. Saying yes. And God, I am sorry that I have let you into my life, but I've I've kept you in the hall, stood by the front door because I'm a bit nervous of some of the stuff that you might want to get involved in. But but Jesus, we want to open up the doors and say, no, you can come into any room in this house. I know I have rooms that I'm a bit uncomfortable about you coming in, Jesus, and I'm sorry. You come in. We thank you, Jesus, that the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but that you have come that we would have life and life in abundance. Thank you, God. Now, we've got a number of people stood in the room. If you're at home, we would love you to just comment. Even if you've never commented before, just comment and say, I've just given my yes again, or I've just given my yes for the first time. I might even log on in a minute and comment myself and just say, I've just said yes as well. Thank you, God. I love it, God, that you love these moments.
these decision-making moments. I thank you that these decisions have the backing of heaven. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.